This is Claudine Pereira from the Pink Coach Business Coaching and Consulting, and you are listening to SME Stories Podcast with the amazing Ken Alfred. Yay! You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show. We got a great episode today with Claudine Pereira of thepinkcoach.com. So a little bit about Claudine. Claudine is an experienced professional business coach and leadership development trainer. Claudine Pereira assists people with fundamental behavioral change. Her consistent and captivating approach stretches her clients to move beyond a limiting sense of self and achieve their desired personal and professional goals. An inspirational speaker, certified life coach, and international best-selling co-author of The Live Out Loud, Claudine is passionate about her work. Claudine works with small business owners and leaders through coaching, training, and consulting. She brings laser focus and strong structure, allowing them to stand out as confident, proud, and polished professionals. With over 25 years of coaching experience and through engaging one-on-one sessions, Claudine's boundless energy, fire, and compassion catapults people's experiences into active self-improvement. She not only promotes self-discovery, but instills lasting confidence. So we're going to have a very interesting episode today. We have a great guest here, and I know we're going to have... uh, Great conversation. She's going to tell us some awesome stories. So sit back and absorb. All right, guys, we have Claudine Pereira from The Pink Coach. Claudine, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Thanks for asking. I'm so happy to be here. Excited to to talk to you today. Someone excited to someone excited to talk to me. Okay, that's a good. I'm not used to hearing that. So, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah. So things are slowly getting busier, but that's also a good thing as well. And I know, especially with yours, especially with your company as well, it's going to be, I think they're growing well. I, for those who haven't noticed uh, in the intro, Claudine actually has a very awesome YouTube channel. And ju- just a spoiler alert, she has a couple of very special interviews that people might not be aware of. She That's talked right. to Senator Bernie Sanders and Sir Elton John. I'm just going to leave it at that so people can check out your channel for your, for your uh, interview with them. And uh, it's going to be uh, awesome. I loved it when I saw it. <laughs> so. All right, Claudine, the pink coach, what's your story? Yeah, so, you know, uh, a little bit of a background about me. Obviously, you can you can tell I'm, I'm English, born and raised in, in the UK, uh, emigrated to, to Canada uh, in 1995, uh, landed my very first, you know, the corporate gig. You come to Canada as an immigrant, you take the first job that's, you know, sort of put in front of you, even though, albeit it's not maybe ideal. Um, and, uh, you know, just ended up staying there, have a glorious corporate career for the last 19 years, 19 years in total, uh, been in business with the pink coach since 2014. It was just kind of like a natural progression, falling out of the corporate career to be able to do something on my own to coach and train clients that I had chosen and to do it my way. Okay. No, that's great to hear. So 2014. So what was it about? Like, I guess the coaching space that kind of drew you into it, right? So was it something that uh, you just naturally just enjoyed working with others or, you know, they're about maybe taking courses in it because it was a slight interest? How does it, how did you start with that? Yeah, I was really, uh, most of my career at the bank, you know, I was quite senior and I was coaching large teams. So 
coaching was sort of, it was in my blood. It was innately in me right from the get-go. Um, and, and you know, the one thing I'll say is that you really have to have a love for seeing people grow uh, and a love for people. You know, that's my that's my business. I'm in the people business. And so, you know, my my sort of background doing it at the, at the bank catapulted into the pink coach. Um, at the time I did go back to school, actually, I went back to George Brown College in Toronto to study my life coaching designation. So I was able to also offer that up to my clients as well, because you're in business, but also to, you know, life is such a huge piece of that. So that's kind of how I slid into, you know, doing this on my sort of my own steam. It wasn't a new thing for me. It was just kind of, you know, what I had always been used to. And just that passion to watch people grow um, and to, you know, to get results would just really, you know, really turned me on. I was always a very driven you know, individual, I grew up in the dance world. So, you know, competition and drive and, you know, resilience and determination and always striving for some kind of like a metric or a result, you know, is really what, you know, coaching is all about when, uh, especially in, in the business world. Well, interesting. So, so if you hear that listeners, so it's not that she's a killer, she's a killer, but she can also dance over your grave while she destroys you. <laughs> but no, I'm kidding. That, that, <laughs> but I'm like, sure that's still down. So it's tap dancing. Okay, tap dancing. Okay. I've never been able to dance well. My wife, unfortunately, Mrs. K is not a great dancer. Okay. Uh, but you know, well, that that's another story altogether. So how big is your current team at this point? Are you by yourself? You have an assistant or a few people on staff? Yeah, yeah. So it's my myself as the main coach. Um, I have a gentleman who is my absolute my guru eagle, who does all of my like back end, you know, um, web design, um, you know, and something goes wrong with my email. He's my tech support uh, and also does like a lot of, you know, like the output for newsletters, social media and and so on. And then I have an assistant, Marta is just outstanding and is, you know, I can't, I can't live without her. She, she keeps my life automated and running like a well-oiled machine. Um, and then, you know, the other people on the, my team that I'll, I'll mention that a lot of business owners I think about are, my my physiotherapist, my massage therapist, um, you know, my my trainer, uh, the, you know, these these are the, my my housekeeper, the lady that comes in to you know automate my home and and make it beautiful, so I don't have to spend time pushing the vacuum around. You know, they also are part of my team, and I couldn't do what I do without them. So by freeing up my time and having all these guys do those pieces, I'm freeing up my time to do what I love the most, and that's coach. And that, that's the funny yeah. thing, too. I think what most people think about it, they think, OK, assistance, you know, like you said, tech support or something like that, maybe an accountant or anything. But you're talking yeah. like the whole life uh, system, whole life uh, staff. Right. So, you know, like you said, about family, friends, whatever. But having people that really help you develop your overall thing, not just your work. Right. Because like you said, you're, exactly. you're physiotherapists, um, you know, all your trainer and everything, which is. Great to hear because you don't really hear that. I think everyone thinks about, oh, I have X number of staff. And, you know, I think for some small businesses, they want to have like they want to have almost the bragging rights that they have 20 staff or I, I don't want to be called a small business anymore. Can I want to be a large business? OK, medium businesses are a maximum 100 people. So you're going to get more than 100. I, I have 50. OK, good. So you're still technically yeah, small. But that's OK. It's not being wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. And I, and I think that we, we, we insert that word small business and we dilute ourselves and make ourselves look small when we don't need to even really label it. And the thing is, you can save money on costs of, you know, many, many employees if you have some of these other people in the background automating your life for you and making you do well. It will actually, you could actually do more. 
because the other people are taking time off of your plate. So it's kind of like, I always look at these guys and kind of, you know, coach my clients towards these are people are part of your team. You know, the people here at the office, the receptionist, people that, you know, own the space here, the people that keep my, my, my office tidy. And, you know, they're all part of my team to allow me just to walk in here and do what I do. All right. All right. Now, let me have a decent spin and, and, of looking at it. Yeah. Well, here's, here's a question for you then. So if you had to start over again, Claudine, who do you hire first? If you're, if you're, if you would recommend someone, I know this is already in our tips of the pro segment already. So we're already jumping the gun there, but yeah, if someone yeah, yeah. was starting to, let's say who would should be, so it doesn't have to be like a full-time employee, but whether it's a contract or whatever, who, if you had to go back in time, who would be the first role you would hire for? So I would say definitely somebody to make sure that you show up in the right way, right? Especially if you're just starting out, you want to make sure that your brand presence is crisp and clear right from the get-go. Um, and it's not just about your colors. It's about, you know, showing up the same way wherever you show up. So if you're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, TikTok, that your brand has that consistency and having somebody else's eyes on it is honestly the best money that you'll ever spend. Um, that coupled with a website, which is really the window into your business. It's the first place people are typically going to go when they're looking at a business is to go, oh, I'm going to go check out Ken. I'm going to your website. I go to your social media and I want to see if there's consistencies. I want to see if you're out there, if people are talking about you. So that would be the first person I would encourage you to hire is somebody like that to get a website going and a consistent brand and marketing message out there for you, including some, some social media. Nice. And, you know, you will hear, oh, I can't afford that coach. It's a lot of money. Well, you can't afford not to. It's going to cost you money in the long run by not having those things in place. Yeah. And I think people, you know, if you have the funds to do it, obviously it'd be ideal. But there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with even hiring someone that's going to handle that stuff, whether it's on Fiverr or some of those other places, at least to get you started just to, you know, initially just even just to set it up, right. Whether they're, whether they manage it or not, at least get that set up just so have something there. Right. And I think that's what Claudine was really eloquently talking about there. So yeah, absolutely. So that would be, and again, it depends on the industry that you're in. Like, for example, I could recommend that to somebody and they say, well, I can do all that myself. Right. But there's a weakness. I also hire for your weaknesses. So if you want, if you're not sure, um, because we could go many different directions with that question, I would just say hire for your weaknesses. What you're, whatever you're not good at, that's the first person that you're going to put in uh, um, on your employee list. Like, so for example, um, my assistant Marta, one of the things she's brilliant at is keeping all my receipts and, and those types of things organized. I don't like to do it. It's not the highest and best use of my time. So right away, I hire for my weaknesses and she takes that off my plate it's like this and, and talk to wonderful people like you. And yeah, no, good to hear. So how do you currently run your operation now, right? So I know you work in this. So is all your staff, uh, are they working remote? Like, do you guys have me, use a meet, a boardroom or anything like that every once in a while? Yeah. So, yeah. So now and again, you know, uh, they're remote. I mean, they're, they're not too far away from, from me. But, you know, I live downtown Toronto. My office is in the suburbs in Ajax. Um, you know, Marta's a little bit north of here. Eagle's sort of midtown. So everyone's sort of all over the place. So we have a, we have a good thing going working remotely. Um, and then, you know, I have two formal sort of client, you know, and employee appreciation events every year. And so guaranteed we're going to see each other in person at those, those times. Actually, I have one coming up in the next two weeks um, at a farm. And I'm bringing somebody in to do improv comedy uh, called Improv Your Business mm-hmm. to get my clients' juices flowing for 2023 planning. So they, we are guaranteed to see each other at least on those couple of times a year. 
for uh, for the client client events. But yeah, for the most part, everyone's remote. You know, they've got families, and there's no there's no reason for them to be here. You know, there's no reason. My office is a space for really where clients come in, right? And we shut the door, and we you know we work on the board, and we brainstorm and, and work on their on their business. Yeah. So I know you also, like I said, you do like one on ones. You do coaching sessions still. Uh, do you do a lot of like like I said, clients sometimes come to to the office. Do you ever go to the client's office as well to do any of this work? Yeah, all the time. Um, so I have a mixed bag, really. I have clients that you know just want to be on Zoom, and they don't. I have no interest in driving into the office and seeing me in person. Um, they, I have clients that actually have want to come into the office. I've had two people already in this morning that will come in and we'll do one-on-one coaching right here in the office. Now, I do have some companies. So for last example, last week, uh, I was on the road going to visit a, a client of mine. She runs a huge bridal alteration company. She has employees and I was at her space last week coaching her and her her team. So it's a mixed bag of, of both. Uh, and then the leadership development side of my business, you know, that's a mixed bag too in terms of, you know, some group training that I do online. And then also sometimes they will come in, some of the leaders come into the office for their sessions and we book the boardroom for those because there's usually more, more people than, you know, that can fit in my office. Yeah. Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcription that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. How did it feel to get the clients back when things started to open up during the pandemic, when you could actually see people, whether it's coming into a boardroom? Because, I mean, like, like I said, it's been, I haven't been to some of my uh, one of my day jobs in over two and a half years because there was no need yeah. for us to be in there. So how was right. that first experience to get to get back into the boardroom like or you know meeting people in person? How was that like? Uh, uh, unbelievable. Um, uh, you know <clears throat> when when COVID hit, you know a lot of my clients that I've been seeing on you know on a regular basis that come into the office actually had still asked to come into the office during during COVID. Our office was closed, but because I have a closed door here and you know the space I'm in, we were still allowed to bring people in. So I did. I actually continued coaching at the office for quite a while still for a few people that really did need to, you know, be in person. Um, but the first, you know, official times where we could really get people back in here and in the boardroom uh, and have events, man, was it, it was I think we hugged so much. We were just, everyone was just kind of crying. It was really, it was emotional it was a bit weird. I don't know if you found that some of that too, like it was a bit weird because I think everyone had sort of forgotten like social skills in terms of what do you do when you're in front of somebody? Do you, are you are you hugging? Are you elbow pumping? Like, what do we do here? Right. So it was, it was a bit awkward and a bit weird, but felt amazing all at the same time. And then it was just, it was just a miracle that we could all be together, never to be taken for granted ever again. Never. I think funny, the fun thing I was used to weird for seeing people was being able to see them from, you know, the eyes down. Cause usually this is the most of the, what I see for people. And I'm just putting my hand over my, over my nose and my mouth. Cause everyone's wearing a mask. So to actually see someone in person, you're like, okay, I got to shave my beard or I got to, you know, 
freshen up, man. Freshen up or whatever, right? Then it's very interesting to hear that. So that's no, nice. So, yeah, no, so, it was it was really great, really great. So, what are your plans right right now over the next five years in terms of expansion? Are you looking to grow out grow out of where you are right now into something big, like having actually the big office, or you know maybe just grow, just maintaining the same model, adding more team members, and just spreading it that way? What, what, what's, your, what's your thought? Yeah, bigger office. No, I'm really happy where I am right now. It's really what I I need for my operation. Um, you know, coaching is a funny duck. Uh, you know, you can you can be sort of where I am right now in you know in a really good place, making great revenue, or you can you know take it even further and have a massive team and other coaches. And I've looked at that. I've looked at that with my coach. Uh, you know, every year we tend to revisit that model, and every year I go, no, I don't want to dilute my services. People want me. You know, interestingly enough, they want me. And, you know, if I put another coach in front of them or start a model like the Tony Robbins and that kind of thing, I, I don't think it's going to fly. It's not me. It's not my brand. It's kind of not what I stand for. I like that boutique feel. So, you know, what I'm really looking to do in terms of expansion is more expand on the leadership development coaching side of things, which has really been, you know, a piece that has grown for me over the last couple of years, um, as well as the entrepreneurs that, you know, are serious. They're, they're the doers. They want to get it done. They're serious. They're in business. They're, this is not a hobby. These are the people that I want to, you know, expand and grow with over the next five, 10, you know, 25 years. I'm no spring chicken anymore. So, you know, I don't want to increase my workload. I want to, you know, still take the weekends off and have that family time. Um, you know, my daughter's older now and I don't have young people running around anymore. But still, it's important for hubby and I to have our time together at the weekends. And and I maintain that sort of work-life healthy, healthy balance. No, that, that that's great to hear because uh, I know we're going to touch upon that later on where we talk about work-life balance that a lot of uh, small owners have a hard time doing and even to myself sometimes as well. So interesting. So now we're talking into, you know, you're talking about your business and, and the and the pink coach and everything. So from from the coaching side, what, what do you find as your biggest uh, expenses that you're kind of paying right now that maybe a lot of people don't even realize that if I want to get into the coaching space, what should I be, what kind of things do I need to be, you know, spending on aside from, let's say, you know, typical things like, okay, you need to have a computer and all this sort of stuff. But is there anything that uh, would surprise your clients or people who want to get into the space that, oh, wow, I actually need to have that stuff in order to do a good job? Yeah. So a couple of, a couple of things. And I love this question because again, finances are a big piece of my coaching um, practice with my clients. And it's a piece that you're know, understanding your finances, looking at your profit and loss, and understanding the margins and your expenses and, you know, if things are a little lean and how to reduce your expenses. So it's a great question because it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs, whether you're in coaching or any industry, always tend to shy away from because it's scary, right? But I love it. And I always encourage my clients and we sort of, you know, back them into a corner to look at those things. Um, but, you know, high overhead costs for me in this industry, things like, you know, maintaining association fees, like, for example, the International Coaching Federation, you know, making sure that you are accredited with somebody like a good governing body, paying those types of fees. Um, industry events, you know, I used to, I, I spent thousands going to Robin Sharma. He, you know, he's a Canadian guru, the monk who sold his Ferrari 5am club guy. I don't know if you know who he is. Robin Sharma, he's amazing. Look it up, robinsharma.com. He's Canadian. And I would go to all of his live events and spend, you know, a lot of money on these events. But 
you know, and, and that's for me to be able to brush up on my skills so that I can be an even better coach for my clients and bring them even more value. Right. So, so I never really looked at the cost of that type of thing. I was looking at an investment that I would make it back. Um, what else? Rent, office rent. Office rent is a big piece of my expenses. Um, my coach is a big piece of my expenses, one that's never going to go away. You know, she's been by my side for, for years now. And so that's another big piece. Every good, every coach needs a coach. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I think those are the, those are the top ones. So, top ones. so you recommend getting an, a coach as well for, so do you actually coach coaches who coach? Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that made any sense at all. No, I do. No, I do. And it's actually fun. Funny, my mother had said to me one year, she goes, oh, do, don't you worry about your coaches that you're coaching, taking your coaching clients? <laughs> she said that to me. I'm like, no, because we're all doing things very, very differently. We're all in different, you know, I have um, coaches that are nutritional coaches. It's a, it's a life coach. You know, they're all doing this very um, coaching model where we're all doing it the same way. Everyone's sort of coming to the table differently so yes i do i coach coaches wow. i coach coaches to construction coaches to construction nice excellent all right so now we're going to hit into this show we're going to talk about more about the industry itself so in your opinion claudine what is your opinion of the you know coaching industry and what do you think the direction is right now so you know i i left i i say that you know coaching is much like i've drawn the parallel to being like an an athlete if you're an athlete and then you want to go somewhere, you need a good coach and you need a coach for every sort of area of your life. So you need probably like an agility coach, a mental coach, you know, a coach to coach you on form. And so they're serious about their craft. So to me, you know, if you're serious about being an entrepreneur and being a business owner, you need to have a coach, somebody that knows what they're, they're doing. I think the industry is strong. Um, and, you know, I think a lot more people are looking towards coaching these days because they realize they just can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. As much as I'm a coach, my coach sees my blind spots. That's what we're there to do, to help strategize and plan and see the things that you can't see. So the industry is strong. I, I think that the downside to it is it's the, the one that people that come out that, you know, in 24 hours, they're getting their life coaching designation online. And then suddenly they're like, oh, I'm a coach now. And they have no accreditation. They've got no um, qualifications ready to coach. And so many times people have come to me in, uh, for a discovery session, which I offer complimentary, and have said, oh, my gosh, you know, I've been ripped off for, for so many coaches and want thousands and thousands of dollars and I got nothing in return. So the industry is sort of marred with, you know, negativity like that. So for serious coaches and established coaches like me and a lot of other coaches that I know, it's even harder for us to kind of get out there and prove ourselves and go, you know, you're going to get your money's worth and you're going to make some money with our, you know, our coaching style. And there's no, no weird strings attached. So, so that being said, the coaching industry is a hard nut to crack. So if you're, if you're a new coach looking to get into the industry, you're going to give it a couple of years before you make a dent in it. It's a hard nut to crack, um, but the, you know, the coaching, uh, you know, the world of coaching, I think is really opening up a lot more now um, because we have so many different kinds, right? So many different kinds. Well, yeah, there's like the life coaching, there's the business coaching, there's, you know, even to the mindset. point, mindset, and even executive too. And that's also like another thing altogether. Yeah. It, it's yeah. a lot of different things. I know we're going to touch on that on the actual tips from the pro segment as well, but you know, that's, that's interesting that you're saying that uh, it's almost like, so you said it, People come out of these things like almost like I'm a coaching certification almost, right? Where it's yeah. really mass generated and, you know, you come out. You, I remember when I was, I'll, I'll write this really quickly. I started as a, 
I, I was a personal trainer a long time ago, maybe about oh, 20 wow. plus years ago. And uh, before I got certified, I was like, well, I don't want to spend all that kind of money. I'll, I'll, I'll find something else. And I found this company that was purely online. I don't want to break their name. I don't want them to sue me or anything. So it was something that, you know, I said, okay, I'll buy this. It was only maybe like 50 or $75. Now this is back in like yeah. early 2000, right? So I, I download this thing and I do a test. And honestly, spending $100 and just reading a manual with no actual, you know, evaluation on certain things, I came right. out with this thing and I was a certified fitness trainer. I had a little, little business card that says I'm certified. I had a little diploma thing and I'm, I'm making motions here. People can't see this, but I'm making all these motions and I was like, all right, I'm a trainer. And then I'm looking at it and like, but it didn't really teach you anything about the business side of it or to actually evaluate my skills that, oh, okay, if I have an 85-year-old grandmother, do I want to put her on you know, a stability ball with one leg and trying to do a one-legged squat, <laughs> right? So it wasn't anything like that. So then I think you have to get get certified and actually go to a reputable place and not something that they promise, study this weekend. And then next thing you know, you're, yeah. you can start charging a hundred bucks an hour for your services. Yeah. I'm like, no, you, you can't do it like that, right? In as many industries, you know, we have the same same thing, you know, learn to be a carpenter in, you know, six weeks. Whereas people have been building houses for 35 years and are up against these young people that are going out or people that are not qualified. So it's a, it's a big, big, it's a big piece. It's a big piece. I mean, I've spent, you know, oh gosh, you know, half of my age in this industry and, you know, it didn't come overnight. It came from a lot of growth, the best training ever at the bank. Really, I would say that was my university coaching education, um, you know, hands on, you know, training and learning and then coaching for for results and then going obviously back to school to George Brown for the life piece. So, you know, it's got to be really careful. You've got to be careful who you hire. Do your research, you know, look at reviews, you know, if it seems too good to be true, it really is. And, you know, and the coaching is really not about telling anyone what to do. It's about asking questions and exploring and having them sort of figure it out for themselves with your support and guidance. Yeah, well, that's Hey you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. So I was going to ask you too. So what, from a client's perspective, are the biggest misconceptions that, you know, if I, if I go to a coach, I'm like, I don't even know what they do. Are they going to just, like you said, tell me what to do? What, what are, so what, what do you find as your biggest misconception when you're dealing with, with clients in the beginning? Yeah, I, I think a lot, you know, unless you've had a coach before, a lot of people don't really know what to expect. They really do think they're going to be sort of just told what to do. And here's a little plan and just do it. Here's the Here's, here you go. Here's your plan, you know, and, and, and just get it done. Um, and really that's not, that's not my coaching style. Now there are a lot of coaches out there that are like that. And if you want to be told what to do, sure, go and hire one of those. But to me, it's more about self-discovery and that's sort of like a misconception. And then the other misconception is that they're going to actually have to do some work, right? It's a two way, it's a two way street, right? So, you know, if I make an action plan for you, I'm as with you. I'm as much invested in it as you are. I take it as seriously as I want you to take it. So that's what I really do look for in my discovery sessions when I'm meeting people for the first time is, you know, do you have skin in the game? 
are you ready for this? You know, because sometimes people I don't think are really understand or ready for that journey of one of growth and, and pain and ups and downs. You know, business is not linear and coaching is merely, it's to help you in that longer journey. It's not just about that immediate fix. I think sometimes people think, All right, I'm going to come in here. I want one session. And then I want to make $100,000. Teach me everything you can in one session. <laughs> you know? Right. And I said, then I, I'm sorry, I'm not the coach for you and I can't take your money. Mm-hmm. I can't. You know, give me a year of your life and then we'll talk. Then we'll see. Like I've got clients that have been on my books for many, many, many years and are still growing and still learning and doing amazing things in their, in their businesses. So it's not a quick fix and it's not an overnight sensation. That's why I relate it to the athletes. Think about the athlete's journey. It's the longer journey. It's not just for the now. Well, yeah. And I think it's interesting. Like when you said you talk about sports and I think when some people don't even know, I think when people watch, let's say team sports or even say individual right. sports, they just think, okay, that person has one coach. Maybe that's for strategy or whatever. It's not like you said, they can have, depending if it's like a team sport, they have different positional coaches that teach them certain things. Everyone has a trainer of a, of, for fitness. Everyone has a mental coach. Everyone has all these different things. Even like, uh, I think financial coaches too is something, especially for pro athletes. Cause a lot of, you know, when you saw some, you hear some horrible stories of professional athletes making millions. Now they're yeah. homeless on a street, you know, and I know it's it's very depressing because they were not taught that stuff. So I think pro sports now, I think they they are uh, making almost mandatory that you have to have a financial advisor, uh, not because yes. especially for some of these kids who they don't know anything other than the sport, they suddenly have all these hundreds of thousands, hundreds of million dollars coming at them. No one knows really they don't what, to, what do. to do with it. Yeah, it ruins them. Yeah, yeah it ruins them. I know as much as we would all love to win the lottery. Um, I'm sure we all would. But I, I, that would be the first person I would hire right? if I was to lucky enough to win the lottery. Now, I'd still yeah, be podcasting because I'm – yeah, I'd still enjoy podcasting so I'd still do that for fun. But I would definitely yeah. hire someone like that. So, okay, I have more zeros now. So I need to know what I'm supposed to do with all this stuff that makes sense where I'm not going to, you know, try to build the next big thing that's going to, you know, fun, yeah. fail. But anyways, speaking of failure, and I don't mean this in, in that way, not, what a way to transition. Yeah, yeah. I always ask this to a lot of my guests. So what in your – for yourself, what has been your biggest failure, but also your biggest success so far? Um, I think okay, we'll start. We'll start with the success because um, I always say, sort of failures, you know, feed your successes. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, mentioned to you, coaching is, you know, it's a hard nut to crack. There are very few coaches that are actually making a, a decent income. Uh, they're, they're, a lot of them are starving. They're doing side businesses. So I think for me, you know, the, the success has been obviously making some revenue and let's face facts, you know, it's not all, it's not all about the money and that's not my first priority in my practice, but you want to make some revenue. So, you know, making a successful business after eight years and making great revenue, uh, I look at it as a success. Um, the, the, you know, the second thing is, you know, is pricing accordingly, pricing for what I'm worth. That was a failure for me. So to go back to your first question about the failure, I didn't charge what I was worth right from the very beginning for many reasons. You know, you lack confidence. You're not sure of yourself. You kind of go, well, people are going to say I'm too expensive, you know. And then what I learned, what, you know, through training and going to Robin Sharma's events is that, you know, you want people to gasp a little bit when you give your fee. You want them to have some skin in the game. If they're going to pay you, you know that they're going to do the work. So that was a failure for me. I spent the first couple of years really not charging, you know, what I was worth um, but, but to, to your point, you know, that sort of fueled my, my successes now, if you would. 
No, it's great to hear because, uh, like I said, I always want people to under to hear the real stuff of of a business, right? Because if if all we wanted to do was talk about all the great things that Claudine has done, and she yeah. makes it sound so easy, because she basically you can hear in her passion that it, she's very passionate about this, and she makes it sound so simple. It's like okay, I want to do it too, but it's also good to hear the other side of it. So to make sure that, okay, if I really want to follow in Claudine's footsteps, maybe not call myself the pink coach, maybe I'll call myself the blue coach or anything like that. Then, you know, I want to make sure what are the things I gotta, I gotta be careful of, right? Like you said, and you, I like that you just mentioned it, that the coaching industry, which seems like a very quote unquote low overhead industry, because, okay, mm-hmm. uh, maybe aside from paying to become, uh, to get certified as a coach, you're thinking, okay, well, you need a big office. I'll need all this fancy equipment. I don't, I can just start, charging fee no it's not as easy as that right that's right that's so. right now it's time for tips from the pro excellent all right so now we're going to go to tips from the pro segments here and now we're going to ask from the from the vantage point of okay i want to do what claudine does or at least something similar within the coaching space and now i need to know what are some of the things i need to understand so okay question number one there claudine what's been the biggest mistake you see the small business clients are actually making today um first of all they are not getting themselves out there as much as they should they're playing very small um they're afraid Uh, there's a lot of imposter syndrome out you know that sort of hanging around entrepreneurs because they don't feel they're good enough uh and so that sort of prevents them from getting themselves out there and so shamelessly promoting your business i say you know is You've got to do it. And a lot of, um, you know, entrepreneurs shy away from that. But you need to shamelessly promote your business. No one's going to do it for you, but you, but you. And the other thing, too, I see is that not tracking your finances. You've got to track. You've got to know your money. You've got to look at your your finances. You've got to look at your money. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that that's a great point because it's it's very easy to buy all the, the, the greatest equipment or whatever, or all the softwares or all the courses. Yeah. But if you don't actually apply it anywhere. Then I think everything it's it's fun to be a business owner when you when you get to buy things, yeah. but if you're not going to use them to what they're supposed to be, that's a challenge. And I think that you could that money could have been spent elsewhere, whether it's marketing, bringing in another person, like you said, to be that's like right. an assistant. That could be something you can yep. think about as well. So interesting. Yeah. So how do yeah. you personally educate yourself to stay on top of current trends, like uh, websites, memberships, market intelligence sites? What do you guys what do you recommend for the person trying to follow? So, yeah, I mean, if you're in the coaching industry, you want to be following what's current, what current affairs, I call it current affairs, are out there. Now, I'm not encouraging you to sit and watch the news because news can be very depressing. So be strategic with what you're listening to. Um, there's a lot of great groups out there, like, you know, in, in Ontario, you know, the Business Advisory Centre in, in Durham is great, has great information. Um, the BDC, the Business Development Centre, always has current information. Um, any local board of trade event um, or, you know, newsletter will have great articles on there that you can read up to date, see what's current, um, as well as, you know, LinkedIn has very good articles. Um, and so I always follow the trends, you know, the the economic stories and seeing what's going out there in the economy, because not just for coaching, but even for coaching my clients, you need to know what's going on. We, we can't just think about now. We're thinking, we're already thinking about 2023, 2024. And what is the economy going to be looking like then? And you learn that from reading these articles and going on webinars and, and seeing what the industry, you know, is, is, you know, is, is responding to. And, you know, looking at people that are really successful in business that have made it through COVID. That's another piece I look at too. Like, for example, Richard Branson, I'll always follow him on LinkedIn and, 
Now he's teaching a masterclass online on business. So, you know, there's not one place I go to. I go to many different places to look for my data so that that will strengthen us for, you know, for planning. So, for example, you know, my leadership clients, you know, lots of studies are showing right now that we're in in this big um, hiring wall when my clients that are, you know, our leaders can't hire. They can't find good talent. It's a problem. And they can't retain good talent. People are coming in, getting a counter offer, and they're taking off in a month's time. So I do lots of research. I'm digging around for articles and articles from economists about industries and where people are going to resign and what does that look like for your industry so that I can present that, you know, in a sensible manner to my clients. But I can also plan for that as well. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I mean, to stay on top is very hard, right? I think people think, okay, just go to one website and that'll be it. And I'm sure if you can find a good website, that'll give you a certain slice of what you need to know, but to right. know everything else, it's yeah. really hard, right? And so who is someone you actually follow that most people wouldn't think that you would follow? I don't know if that makes any sense. So maybe In very- terms of like on, on, online or online, Instagram? Instagram, let's open it up there. Oh, wow. That's, that's good. Oof. Um, Joel Osteen. I love him. He's the motivational, he's a Christian speaker, but he's very motivational. I absolutely love him. I follow him, uh, nothing to do with business, but how he speaks really does does help me. So I follow him. Uh, I'm a crazy cat lady, just, just to throw that in there. So I love anything online to do with cats and crazy videos and things like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I follow a lot of those types of things on Instagram sort of outside of, of business. And then, and of course, anything to do with anything to do with dance, I absolutely love. Oh, that's, absolutely love. that's great. It's, it's too bad. I don't have my cats here with me. They're, they're actually yeah. over there. I have two ragdoll cats, uh, oh. which I did not want. My, oh, no. We, we lost, and I'll make this story faster. So we lost our, our cat, I believe, last mm-hmm. year, maybe two years. Actually, no, Victoria Day of 2021. She got sick and she's like our 12 year old cat. And then we had to put her, put her down. And uh, my kids, you know, they're, I have two young kids. They're now eight and 10, but uh, right. we did, so here's the funny thing. So I think I'm a, I'm a pet person. I love animals. I usually didn't want pets because I didn't like to lose them because most likely we're going to outlive our pets. So I did not want to have to go through that. So when we lost yeah. our cat, because, you know, she, yeah. of course she got sick, I was okay, Claudine, not having pets, but uh, my wife, Mrs. K wanted a cat okay. my mm-hmm. kids wanted a cat yeah so I, I i said i forbidden it from from getting more pets <laughs> i was outvoted three to one lost i lost it and we ended up and i said okay if we're getting one we're getting two so just so one one for company and also for my kids one would be kind of like my daughters and one would be like my sons and now we've had them for about a year and uh, right. if you, if people ever go to my website northway capital that's it you'll see that those cats are our official mascots for the company, right? That's and awesome. they have a very good, uh, very good uh, little background spiel about them in terms of what do they like to do and what's their favorite YouTube channel to follow. But that's, that's my shameless plug awesome. for uh, for my website. But anyways, but no, yeah, Go for it. Go yeah. For it. But that's yeah, what I yeah. think you have to really understand is yeah, yeah. Ha- it, it takes a lot to really figure out what to, who to follow. And I also like to follow Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, for yeah, some reason, right? Yeah. And oh, okay. it's funny yeah. because you know what he. Money is not an issue with him, but he's just so <laughs> driven, right? He so, is. So it's like yeah. he was making TV shows and movies plus running stuff. And I'm like, dude, you know, what do you do to relax? Right? Because I guess. He I, doesn't. Yeah. Because I guess yeah. that's the difference between like 
elite people who really strive for those things and some average Joe like me. Because if I was lucky enough to get success in one thing, I'm more okay than to say, step back. Yep. Maybe yep. Oh, maybe buy a franchise or something and just relax and spend, you know, but for some people, like, like especially for some athletes who are driven to not just win one championship, they kind of win multiple. So what do you see in some of those? And now we're going to bring it back to more of the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. side. For your clients that you've seen, what do you see as those, that definitive quality that uh, separates the ones that are just so driven versus the ones that, you know, when you're talking to them, you're just like, okay, they're going to give me the, they're just going to give me some lip service and they're not actually going to do anything. Yeah, I'm going to answer that, but I will just say the Dwayne Johnson piece, I do follow Pitbull and Sylvester Stallone, uh, great businessmen. If you ever get to hear Pitbull speak, he's unbelievable. Mm. Um, And, you know, a lot of these guys do a lot of investing on the side. Um, and, uh, they're, they're pretty, I heard both of them speak actually at a real estate conference here in Toronto and they're great. So they're really good to follow. So that's just alone and Pitbull. Yep. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I heard them both speak at a real estate conference. They were amazing. They were amazing. And then Pitbull sang, which was even more fun. Of course. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah. So, you know, what, what, I'll tell you what, what it sort of resilience, determination, fire in the belly. You know, I can't put that there for you. If that's not there, you got to figure out a way to get it. Otherwise, maybe entrepreneurship might not be for you, right? Um, you know, are you, uh, there's a lovely lady called Zandra Bell, look her up, she's hilarious. I'm, I know her from networking and she has a line. She says, are you a hoe or are you a bow? Are you a hobby owner or are you a business owner? Oh. <laughs> Between a hoe and a bow. So, you know, are you just doing this as, be you know you're just doing something just to pass time and you don't really care if you need to make money or not or is this your livelihood i'm being interviewed by by ken alfred like excitement man you know i'm gonna put my best clothes on even though i'm not gonna get seen on video because this is how you show up i show up as a professional and 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 that's what it takes as a difference there's a fine line between that and, you know, uh, um, another amazing guy called Nikki Ballou, he has a podcast series and he calls them dabblers, right? So me, I don't want to work with a dabbler. I want to work with someone that was going to, the, the athlete that gonna, wants to move the needle in their business, not the dabbler, not the person that's going to make excuses. And not that there's anything wrong with that. You just might not have to, you know, I've seen and, and some of the things I've identified in individuals like this that wonder why they're not getting the results is, again, there's no fire lit under their butt. You know, they know that husband is going out to work and putting food and can, they'll put food on the table, whether they make money or not. Yeah. There's really not, nothing in it for them. So that's really what I'm seeing. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. To have Another person I'd like to follow is uh, Patrick Bet David. I think he's really love listening to right. him uh, speak just from that motivational point of view that, yeah. you know, he's also one where he's making a lot of money, but he's still so driven to want to really go, right? Which is really interesting to say. So, okay, let's get back to some of these other questions here. So what are some other, what do you think are some niches that maybe a newer coach should maybe look into right away? Because I guess when some people think, oh, I want to be like executive coaching or like these ones where it's all about the CEOs and stuff like that, but should they try that in the first uh, bit or so, or should they try to go a little bit smaller or is there totally another niche altogether? And I'll use one example. I use this example for a lot of it. So I had one uh, episode where I had a makeup artist and mm-hmm. one of the great things that she said when she first started, you know, cause some people think of makeup artists, they think, Oh, they're going to do like the big flashy weddings or cover yeah. shoots or something. She's like, no, I found jobs through um, funeral homes. And I was like, oh, well, that's, yeah. 
that's something I didn't even think about. Is there something like that, do you think, in the coaching space that, uh, you know, especially if you're just coming out, you just got your certification and you're like, okay, where do I go first? I think you've got to think about what it is you have to offer, right? So what is the, what is the pain that you're going to fill in someone's life? What is that gap that you have a good, you know, um, uh, that you're trained in that you're going to be able to fill for somebody, right? Mine is entrepreneurial coaching and leadership development coaching. I'm well-versed in it. I stick to my knitting. That's what I'm good at. So just think about who it is that you want to work with based on the skill set that you have. Who would be your ideal client? What gap is it that you're going to fill in somebody's life? That's a really important piece because what you don't want to do is come out and cast the net so wide and, and you're not sure which direction you're going in or aim as high as maybe executive coaching when you just kind of, you know, you're just starting out and opening the doors of your of your practice. But and so and then the second piece to that, so think about the gap that you're filling. And then the second piece to that is kind of based on what you said before about the industry knowledge. And this is key. It's it's about thinking about what it what what's missing out there. What are people dealing with at the moment in their lives and businesses or just life in general? And what is the problem? What are the problems that they're facing and how can you solve them? Right. So we, you know, that's why leadership coaching is really taking off because leadership and employees, all of that stuff, that world has changed so drastically since COVID. There's a huge gap there. And most organizations have a purse string to spend that kind of money on that particular coaching. So always look at what the industry is, is looking for and you match it with your, with your service. Interesting. And, and can That's you give? What I would recommend. And just so for some of the listeners, there, what are some other niches that we know? So we we think of when we think of coaching. Okay, there's life coaching, which is basically yeah. you know almost everything. There's the executive leadership coaching that you do. There's yes. also um, oh my god, there's some what are some other ones that we can give business. examples. Business coaching. Okay, perfect. Yeah, business coaching. There's my mindset. A lot of mindset coaches. Okay, there. good. Um, Coaching on you know, financial. I have a couple of people on my books that are in the financial services industry. That that's what they do. They you know make plans for people. <laughs> um, so that's that's actually taking off quite a bit now. There's nutritional coaching. Um, I have a personal trainer on my books. Yeah. So but that that's it's great. Quite broad, it's quite broad. Yeah, because there's nothing wrong if 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 let's say let's say I have a background in personal training and I, let's say I want to get into coaching. And maybe just maybe focusing my efforts on focusing on fitness professionals as a coaching. So it's like that's right. coaching. And like, that's something that people didn't think about too, right? Because they're thinking, oh, what? Yeah. they're just thinking of businesses of like all these, you know, high tech executive stuff. It's kind of cool to hear. So, yeah. And I think you don't just want to narrow it down to that. Like there's many, like, for example, you know, if I look at you, you know, you're, you're a, a subject matter expert in podcasts. So I'd say, hey, you could offer that out as a, and maybe you already do this as, as a piece and arm to your business that you'd train entrepreneurs or train people that want to have a podcast and they don't know where to start. They don't know about platforms. They don't know how they're not techie. You know, you can walk them through the whole process, how you do it from intake to media documents, and all of those things. And there's a program right there um, that you could that you could call yourself a coach on because you've done it and it's a gap. All right. Well, now that I didn't even think about that, but okay. Well, that's why I'm glad I'm speaking to Claudine right now. So that You're gives welcome. me an idea. So You're welcome. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So let me ask a couple more questions on tips from the pro here. Should I bill hourly or should I have a, re- a monthly retainer? A monthly retainer. So in the coaching, specifically in the coaching business, we're not selling a, I'm not selling you a pen. So I'm not going to charge you a dollar ninety nine. I would caution you against billing hourly. Uh, I used to do that at the first beginning of my practice. And that was a mistake I made. What you really want is the longer journey for your client. 
Um, and by billing hourly, someone can just jump in and out whenever they want to. They, it's like going for massage. You can choose to go this week and not go the following week. So there's no stability or longevity to the arrangement with your client versus um, putting something together like a package. So it's, you know, X amount of dollars every month and you're going to get, you know, these 10 things for X amount of dollars every month for the next for the next year. So that's how I would recommend billing in the in the coaching world. Okay, perfect. Now, for, for for coaching, is there actually any insurance that you guys have to do when running your business? It's like a, it's not like an E and O or anything like that. But yeah. is there anything that you guys need specific? Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at Northway Capital Group at gmail dot com. That's Northway Capital Group at gmail dot com. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have bus- uh, business liability insurance covers me for, you know, God forbid, not God if someone sued me or, you know, if something happens to my dad or on my laptop or my office, if someone trips and falls. Um, so, yeah, I I'm, have I'm full full insurance in terms of business liability. It's, it's, I'd highly recommend that you have that. If you're a coach or any other business, you should always have some form of business liability insurance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like we're not insurance experts. Obviously, we speak to a licensed insurance agent that'll give you the right coverage of what you need, uh, and for that. So, all right, last question on the tips from the pro segment here: What is your best strategy for dealing with difficult clients? Um, well, <clears throat> I actually don't have difficult clients because I handpick my clients. So knock on wood, I haven't had any, any issues. Um, but I've had a lot of clients that have had issues with, with difficult clients. Um, and, you know, I would just say is to, to, to figure out a way to deal with the conflict. You know, we tend to shy away from conflict. No one wants to deal with it or have those conversations. But, you know, think about what the issue is with the client. Think about whether they're the right client for you and think about whether it's time to maybe fire the client and say that this isn't working out. Um, depending on the, when you said difficult, we could have many different, you know, meanings to that. Do they, are they paying? Are they being belligerent? Are they being rude? Are they being demanding on your time? And you've got to kind of know at what point you're ready to either just have a conversation about it and get it out in the open and say, how can we reach a common ground on this? Or whether it's time to say goodbye to your client and kind of yeah. think it's not working out. Maybe this is just not a fit for us. Yeah, because I think the last thing a small business owner wants is to get that email or that phone call from that particular client that they dread. Right. And that, that's not why we got yeah. into business. We didn't want to have that's to get right. in to deal with that stuff. So I like the approach. Yeah. I think it's almost it's always better to pre-screen any potential prospects before you actually totally. take them on, right? Just because oh, absolutely pre-screening is imperative. Know what it is. Watch out for red flags, right? Because any red flags that you see in a pre-screen that you're talking to somebody face to face, on typically you're not going to go away. You might go, oh, well, you know what? If they're going to pay me good money, um, but think about your tolerance to that, yes. because that red flag that you see as you interview a client or you're interviewing an employee is not going to go away. It'll, it'll be there. It'll be there and it will come back to haunt you. Mark my word. Exactly. You don't want, uh, cause yeah, if they're paying the butt before you, before you got them signed, can you imagine what it's going to be like once they're signed to you? Exactly. Right? You know, I'll give you a quick example of that is someone that says to you, Oh, that's your price. Oh, wow. Can you do it a bit cheaper? And then you drop the price for them, which I totally disagree with. And you should not dilute your services or your pricing. Um, your fee is your fee. But the one that says to you, oh, can you just do it for a bit less? And then they come into the practice. You welcome them in. Again, I've been bitten in the butt by this, um, ladies and gentlemen, so many times, which I don't do anymore. Um, and then they don't pay you. 
and then you have a hard time getting money from them. Mm-hmm. So that's the red flag right from the start. Anyone that wants to dilute your services are not going to be your ideal client. Yeah, like I, I, a quick story for me too is that when I used to, one of my businesses I used to run was a mobile detailing business, so I, you know, clean cars, all that sort of stuff. And some people right. they say, "Oh, yeah, the guy down the street can do it for fifty dollars less." I'm like, "Go." That might be the best fit for you because yeah. it's the yeah. same labor. Right. You could, it's, right. Not, it's, not, it's not like, the, like you said, the cost of the pen or the pencil. It's like if you're doing a service that requires a lot of effort, whether it's hour or, or several hours to, let's say, clean a car, that's the still same level of effort for less money. So you have to be very careful of stuff like that. So, all right, Absolutely. I know we're I'll make sure we get through some of these fast ones here. I know we're just about, I appreciate your time here because I want. No, that's fine. We're good for time. All right. Perfect. All right. So, all right. What is the funniest small business story that you've had in your practice? Oh my goodness. The funniest small business story. So we're now getting into the more lighthearted stuff. Not the rapid fire yet, which is coming up, but this is just more. Oh a gosh, I got I gotta I gotta prepare myself. Oh, um, don't do that. No. <laughs> don't do it. Uh-oh. I'm just oh I I'm oh god, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be politically like correct here with this one. <laughs> um, you know, I had I had a situation once with a with a business owner who had a you know, a client come onto her pretty strongly, right? It, it turned into, she was actually in the sort of sex industry and was selling like toys and these types of things. And it backfired on her because the guy like just wanted to have fun with her. Oh so, my goodness. You know, that's one. And oh, then another one too, like um, have a, one client, past client of mine was a beautician running her own practice. And, you know, she'd get male clients coming in and they don't want to get their waxing done. They just want a quick, you know, hokey pokey. Interesting. Tell me these stories. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like are people really still doing that these days? And this is North America too, right? This is like- It's that... appropriate. Yeah. I know, I couldn't believe it. I, I, how about you? How about, how about within your company? So any funny stories that you can think of? Not your client's stories, but how about your story? Yeah, no, I can't. I can't say I have anything that that hilarious. I mean, my client is a has a. You know, we have a, an amazing community. The Pink Coach family, as they call themselves, are a community amongst themselves. So we always have lots of laughs and jokes when we get together for client appreciation and our parties. We dance. I always hire a DJ. We eat. So we have lots and lots of good fun as we're doing business. Yeah. Um, but uh, funny stories. Maybe I'm going to go away now, Ken, and I'm going to go. Oh, I had one. <laughs> I had one. I had a funny story. I'm sure you'll come up with it. So, all right, last couple ones here before we hit the rapid fire round. What would your 15-year-old self think you'd be doing right now? Uh, 15, I wanted to be a vet. So I would be coming to take care of your cat. There we go. That's what I would be doing at 15. Excellent. Good to know. <laughs> and, and the best tip you have for work-life balance. You know, small business owners were notorious working crazy hours. Yeah. But also, like, if, if it's one thing if we were single and didn't have, let's say, a significant other or family or pets, to focus right. totally on it. But now, for some people, yeah. especially because of the pandemic, whether they're right. adding side gigs or whatever, now yeah. their time is even less with the people that they love. So, how? What, what's your best opinion? What's your best advice to how to bring a better work life balance? Yeah, a couple things: schedule in your personal time off. Um, and and stick to it. So just as you're scheduling in your work or this podcast or your clients, schedule your downtime. Right, schedule it. Schedule it ahead of time. Pretend you're an employee and you have to say to your employer, I'm taking six weeks off every year and here's what I'm scheduling it in. I schedule all my time off for the whole year in uh at the begin at the end of the year as I'm planning for that. So I know, like for example, this week I'm off two days, Thursday, Friday, make it a nice long weekend. 
Go and watch the air show. So schedule your personal time off. If it's not scheduled, it's not going to happen. So that's my number one sort of piece of advice. I don't know as a business owner whether there'll ever be like a, uh, an even keel work-life balance. I don't know if that really exists. You need to create that. You need to know at seven o'clock at night, you're putting the phone away and you're putting a laptop away so that you can have dinner with your kids or dinner with your husband or go for a walk um, or, you know, not working on the weekends. You've got to do what's sort of right for you, but you need to put those, those parameters in place. And when you're taking time off, put your out of office on. Well, I was about to say, because I, I don't know if you guys know, when I, when I talk to potential guests on the show and I, and I, you know, send emails back and forth, Claudine is the only owner that I know of that I've seen multiple out, out of office. office notifications. Yep. Right. And I'm just like, yep. wow, that's great. Yeah. So she definitely pre practices what she preached, which I think we should all be doing as well. Should... And you just you let your clients know a good way to get a hold of you. If it was urgent, I know my clients could text me. The texting will be one thing I will always check. And if something is glaring and on fire, I'll deal with it and I'll call you and I'll help you. Yeah. But other than that, I'm trying to say I'm sending taking a couple of days off from my emails, the sky is not going to fall down. Right exactly. Now. We're, we're at not... the beginning of your business. You might not want to do that because you want to watch for every lead and, and whatever. But that's a great way to really dial it back and say to your family, you're really important to me and my mental health is important to me. And I want to take some time off just to rest my brain and, and decompress and have that downtime. It's in our own hands. We control it. And the other thing I'll just say really quickly on that, turn off your notifications on your phone, all of them. I don't have any notifications on my phone. I did that years ago. It was the best thing I ever did. The ring is off. If my phone rings, it rings on my Fitbit. I can see at a glance if it's urgent, if it's my daughter. If she calls twice, I know I've got to pick up. If not, you can wait. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, t I'm, I'm, I'm saying about turning off notifications. <laughs> turning off notifications yeah. is, is really helpful. Notifications off. Yeah, my, my son. Bells, whistles, yeah. signals. You don't, it's very distracting. And this is where... A lot of business owners don't get to do the work because they're so addicted to the phone mm -hmm. and you can't do both. You can build a business or you can check your notifications. You can't do both. Yeah. And my son's like, dad, are you trying to be famous? That's the first thing he said, right? And because really? when I'm working on it and like when I'm doing podcasting stuff, you know, there's editing, all these different things that go on with it. It does take some time away. So I always try to make sure right. I make time for it. And I like your thing. If it ain't on the calendar, it ain't happening, which is Not happening. And, and as, as sad as that might be for some people to think, oh, I have to actually schedule it in. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to build something and something yeah. really good, you might, at least in the short term, just to get into the habit of doing that. Because otherwise, it's very easy just to bring work in when they doesn't really need to be brought in. So, excellent. Absolutely. All right. Last part here. I think, I don't know if that's the science saying that we should wrap it up. And that's why they're trying to like cut us off. I but... want us to shut up. <laughs> All right. Good time. I know. Me too. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. So here, this is the rapid fire round, and uh, this is going to be like faster questions, more relaxed, like we said for the other okay. one. So, all right. Cool. Would you rather put ketchup or ranch dressing on everything you eat? Ketchup. Nice. Why? Love it. I'm addicted to ketchup. I don't know what it is, and I don't like tomatoes. There you go. Weird fact. Same here. I don't <laughs> like tomatoes. I, 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 I can eat tomato sauce. I can have ketchup. And, maybe, and maybe the closest thing would be bruschetta. Well, they have a little bit of that, oh, but I wouldn't even eat that. Oh, no. Either case, that's yeah. fine. But ketchup. If, Let's if, do it. I'll ketchup. Do it. Got it. Heinz. Right. Heinz only. Heinz only. No Frenches. <laughs> you like Heinz. All right. All right. If you could have your own sandwich, what's in it and what would it be called? Uh, ham, uh, mustard, and mayonnaise. Uh, the the hamonita. Hamonita. The hamonita. 
Put it on a shirt. I like it. All right. Yeah. What posters did you have on your wall as when you were a kid? Oh, my God. Michael Jackson, um, Tina Turner, Huey Lewis and the News, um, Whitney Houston, all the 80s. Wham. 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 George Michael. Love it. George Michael and Wham. They they were massive in England back in the 80s. Massive. I actually play a lot of like when we have dinner with the with the kids and everything, we'll play like just Spotify, maybe in the background and we'll just pick a genre, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Just because I think to maybe I'm sound like an old timer now. I think songs back then, I think you can sing them. You can sing them easier. You can follow them. Some of the today's music <laughs> now, I don't even how to, I don't know what they're saying. Nope. I and, know. You, that's a really great thing to do with your kids. I did the same thing. My daughter's 24 now and she grew up listening to me play all the old stuff and that's all she plays. And she can, appre- and they can appreciate yeah, that kind of music. It. I've seen more YouTube videos now where they have like millennials listening to classic, you know, different genres of music and seeing their reaction. And some of them, and most of them are very positive. Like, wow, this is really <laughs> good music. So yeah. excellent. So we call it that. Excellent. All right. What, all right. If you were to sit, who would you most likely want to sit on a 10 hour flight with? The queen. The queen. Yep. Any particular question you would ask her? Um, A, a million. I would ask her so many things about like, <laughs> Diana. And Charles and, you know, why she stayed with her cheating husband for all those years. Um, you know, all the how did she make these decisions when she was so young? Like so many stresses that she's had to, you know, deal with over the years and how she stays so stoic. Like what is her magic coping power? I'd love, I'd love it. There you go. See, I, I, if I was sitting next to the queen, unfortunately, I won't be as really thorough as you. And I'd be like, what's your favorite hamburger? Oh, yeah. Just to hear what she says. <laughs> right. You know, like, or the, the designated yeah. hitter rule in baseball, yay or nay, right? Yeah. Which one do you prefer, right? But yeah. question that she would not be used to asking, right? Because just because sometimes I think if you get too serious with them, they oh, almost yeah. feel like you're almost like a reporter, right? They're like, oh God, they're, this is just someone from the media asking that's pretending to be a fan. They just exactly. want to try to get me into, I'm like, you can't go wrong with someone asking someone what your favorite burger is. She's and she's got a sense of humor. It was like yeah. she did the opening segment till the 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 uh, I think the one of the Bond. There's <laughs> something to do with James Bond. She was in an opening segment with a helicopter and everything, and she played got along quite well with the whole thing. So wow. she's got a wicked sense of humor deep down. Yep, I like that. Yep. All right, all right. So last question here. I always ask this to all my guests: What is your theme song and why? So you're walking down the street, that song plays. People know Claudine's coming. Uh, okay, I I'm, have so many songs, but I will say that the one song that it would be sort of my uh, mantra is uh, Ain't No Stopping Us Now by McFadden and uh, the, the uh, it's called Ain't No Stopping Us Now. Ain't No Stopping Us Now. Oh, yes, yes. I'm familiar yeah. with that one. Uh, McFadden and Whitehead, that's it. That's what it and, is. And, and it's a mantra about anything in life, about, you know, not letting things they talk about being held down and, you know, but things are finally coming around and, and we can apply that to business life, everything in our lives. And it's a great, if you look it up, the, the, the dance video is cool. They do some good old seventies moves. Um, so I love that song. I love it. I think it's just, you know, <clears throat> we can allow things to get in our way and stop us. Life takes over, problems take over. Um, but it's how we sort of maneuver through, through all of that and come out the other side. Wow. Great, great one here. So our last question here, Claudine, any any final thoughts or any advice for anyone who wants to start their own gig? Yeah, I would just say, you know what, work on your, you know, your, your, your mental ability, your, uh, it's not just about being able to sell a product or a service and be good at what you do. It's that agility. It's that mental capacity, that, um, um, 
the brain resilience. That's what you want to really, really build. It's one of the most important pieces that we all survive through the tough times or through COVID. Look at what happened to us. If you work on that mental resiliency uh, and that training for your brain, you'll be able to cope when rough times hit in your in your business. I'd say that's the number one thing. Arlene Dickinson, the famous dragon den lady, said it the best. She said, you know, to be in business, you need to have an inside made of Teflon, right? And and like the frying pan. And so that's what I would say to work on all the time in your in your practice or doing just getting started. Excellent. And and where can people reach out to you? Yeah, so look me up. I'm all over social media. You can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, under the Pink Coach, uh, or Claudine Pereira. I'm I show up as as both. And uh, please, please follow me. Follow me. I'd love to follow you back and learn more about you and and your business. All right, Claudine. Well, thanks for being on the show. It was a great thanks, one. Thanks, Ken. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. All right, guys, that was our interview with Claudine Pereira of The Pink Coach. Uh, a couple of key points that I remember uh, doing this podcast was, one, really realize that your team is not just your team of employees. It's anyone you that does that helps you uh, run your business in some way, shape, or form. Now, with what I'm talking about is for Claudine's sake, she said, oh, it's even the person who helps clean her home. Uh, it could be some her personal trainer. All these different things are part of your team. So don't just think it's always limited to just the people who work for you. Everyone who helps. So, I mean, I have a chiropractor. They help me as well. And I'm a massage therapist and all that sort of stuff. So all these different people are a part of your team. So always make sure you treat them right. That's always a good thing. And I think the second thing is, is that I found it really unique when she talked about turning off notifications on your phone. I think we all have the tendency to want to look for the you know, the red flashing light, the green flashing light, or in some cases, the blue flashing light. So I think that's pretty interesting to know as well. So really try to help you focus on what you're trying to do, especially if you're trying to grow your business. So, all right, guys, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as I enjoyed recording it and we'll see you on the next one.